0: Thanks so much to Heidi Swartz for sharing the reading from 2 Corinthians chapter 12. So I was in a conversation one time with a group of people where there was a sudden outburst of honesty. And the way it went down was the the group was talking about, uh, each person was sharing what kind of most made them their selves, or themselves in their own opinion, and this one guy said, "Well, I think it's my spontaneity. I think that really, you know, is a good spark to groups and relationships, because uh, I just kind of come up with stuff." And there was wide affirmation of that. Yeah, people really loved his spontaneity, and and that was true. Uh, however, the conversation kept going, and and then the, like the outburst of honesty continued because people went on to say, um, "You know, your spontaneity every once in a while." actually appears to be more like recklessness Or or it seems to be kind of rudeness because you don't really take the agendas or feelings uh, or needs of other people into account. And that was also true. And of course, now the person who had talked about his own spontaneity became quite defensive about uh, the other ways in which that spontaneity had affected people. They, at some level, were ahead of him on his path of self-discovery. These things happen in life, right? Uh, One one way to avoid situations like that is to just never be honest, right? To never reveal anything about yourself. Um, If you've been burned, uh, uh, I understand that. I think we all have some sense, though, that uh, as you walk through life, Self-honesty and, and receiving the honesty of others uh, ultimately leads us to a fuller life. Uh, so then uh, the question of today's sermon is, if, if everyone else is ahead of you on your journey of self-discovery, uh, how should you feel about that? Should you feel bad about that? And the answer is no. You shouldn't feel bad about that. There's, there are always a people ahead of you in terms of your own self-understanding, because it's always easier for outsiders to kind of look in and at least see some things, if not all things. And, And these don't have to be old, wise, philosophical people. Our kids do a great job of this, right? If you're a teacher, if you're a parent, kids are so perceptive, they're also a little unfiltered. In our family, one of the the funny stories that we always tell, and so it's not a deep thing, but it was a very true thing was, I, I think at some point I had pulled into the church parking lot driving a little fast, and I had our oldest son, David, with me, and he was a, a little kid at the time. And so somebody was giving me a hard time about this, at which point David made the observation that I wasn't going that fast, I was going Papa speed, which was slower than Mama speed, which was like really fast. Barb and I had not previously uh, been quite as aware of our kids tracking the speed at which we drove our cars. We slowed down a little bit after that. Uh, Kids can be aware, people of any age, uh, can be aware of things that are true about ourselves that perhaps we are not fully aware of. And that can plunge us into defensiveness, Uh, it can also lead us to um, a better place on life's journey. This gets us to the city of Corinth. So Corinth is and was a city in Greece at the time of the Apostle Paul. Uh, It was a trading city, it was a seaport, it was a uh, mercantile hub, Uh, As a result, people from all around the Mediterranean lived there, a very cosmopolitan, diverse place. It also spiritually was an interesting spot in that a lot of people in Corinth, for whatever reason, had kind of figured out that offering sacrifices and prayers to statues and temples, that wasn't like working that well. That wasn't really how religion was working out. They were looking for a personal God and also a God that perhaps taught them uh, a better way to be themselves and to relate to other people. In other words, they were looking for exactly what the Apostle Paul brought them. He was a little ahead of them on the journey, and he says, let me tell you about Jesus, uh, because Jesus introduces us to a God who makes covenants with us and is relational and personal. And, and, and Jesus also teaches us how to, to live better towards ourselves and to others so that we truly can be a neighbor uh, to the people we encounter in life. And, and it was breathtaking for those Corinthians. Uh, however, uh, they, were, they were smart and contentious and inquisitive people. Just because Paul said it didn't mean they immediately said, oh yeah, we're all over that. And so this triggered, uh, apparently, years of correspondence back and forth when they were separated. And we have 29 chapters of that. The single biggest collection of, of Paul's writings is, is to, the, to the people at Corinth. And, and what Heidi just read comes near the end of that, where, where Paul does kind of an interesting thing. Uh, he kind of mimics what the Old Testament prophets did. And usually at the beginning of their writings, they talked about their call from God, and it, and it would be very kind of spiritually mysterious. Paul chooses to do that at the end of his correspondence with the with the Corinthians. For the prophets, it, it kind of established their legitimacy. Uh, Paul was way past having to establish his legitimacy with the Corinthians. Uh, they they were uh, as as tight as they were going to be, and and so he talks about his call experience. This amazing um interaction with the uh, risen and ascended jesus and and he says it it was he doesn't use this word but it's, it was intoxicating it was amazing what was revealed to him and and the power available to him but but the reason i think he puts it at the end of his correspondence is, is he then goes on to say but along with that <clears throat> i was given a thorn in the flesh in other words, lest I get a little too impressed with myself, I was also given something that reminded me of my weakness and that I, I couldn't solve everything by myself, that I, I needed Christ, I needed the living community of faith. And these would be the things that gave, gave me greatest power in life. And so he's able to end that section by saying, when I'm weak, when I'm strong. And, and Christ's strength is sufficient for my weakness. So now think about, you know, weakness in your life. Um, I think this kind of gets into two categories for people. One is their sense of spiritual weakness and vulnerability. Uh, People seem to break into two categories. Either they're like super self-assured about all things religion and theology. They're a little bit like the Pharisees in the Gospels. Jesus pokes at them a little bit, says maybe you shouldn't be quite so self-confident. but I think most people feel inadequate. They, they don't feel like they know how to pray. They don't know the Bible well enough. They haven't been faithful enough. And, and they kind of beat themselves up. It's interesting in the Gospels, Jesus, I, I'm not sure he ever puts somebody down for not knowing enough. And in fact, he constantly draws out of people amazing gifts and affirms them for a faith that at some level they didn't even know was there. Uh, this is Jesus for you. In your and your spiritual weakness, whatever it may be, uh, you might be right about some things. You might want to work on um, your knowledge of of the Bible or how you how how you pray. Um, but, but don't perceive it as weakness. Recognize that Jesus uh, draws out of you strength. I think the other way we can be in life is, is, is our weaknesses are about our emotions or our relationships. And, and people spend a lot of time being super negative about their, their own mistakes uh, in life. Uh, My strength is sufficient in your weakness, uh, Paul says of Jesus. Uh, there's plenty of grace that is offered. We tend to push it away, Accept the grace. Uh, The future looks different when you understand grace for your past and when you offer it to others. These are the things that allow us to go deeper in life's journey of self-discovery. And then we're not so far behind what other people may already know about us. Let me give you... um, kind of a cool example to end with. And it's kind of a simple one. It comes from the Bread of Healing Free Clinic. I use a lot of examples from there and from El Salvador because you know, there's some distance um, uh, between us, but also because those are both places that have fewer resources. People are still smart though, and when they have resources, they do amazing things with them. And I I, I think I, I love telling stories from those places because we have a lot of resources here too. And I think sometimes, because we do take them for granted a little bit, we aren't as kind of dynamic or creative with them as we could be. And that's not a put down on any of us, it's just kind of our reality. Uh, but I always want to spark in us that awareness of when, when a person, when a resource, when a blessing comes into your life, it can be so dynamic and, and what a chance to take advantage of it. So here's a story from, about somebody who, uh, who did that. Um, but she was behind to begin with. Uh, She was a a patient at the clinic, and she actually tells the story herself, so uh, I think she'd love that you're hearing it. Uh, She came to the clinic for like quite a while and was making no progress on her high blood sugar uh, or her high blood pressure. Uh, The staff was kind of ahead of her, telling her, well, you know, you might want to change your diet uh, or get a little more exercise. That would help. Nothing changed. Then one day she comes into the clinic and and she asked for a home blood pressure monitor because what she had done is she had bought three spiral notebooks and she already had a glucose monitor and and now she wanted a way of tracking her blood pressure at home. And So they managed to find one for her and sent it with her. Months passed, she comes back and when she comes back, they, they do her blood glucose. It's much, much lower than it had been. Blood pressure was lower too. What happened? She said, well, I had these three notebooks. When I wrote down everything I ate, when I wrote down my blood glucose, when I wrote down my blood pressure. When I noticed my blood glucose was high, I looked at the book and saw what did I eat the day before? A big muffin. I stopped eating muffins. Big bag of chips, blood pressure went up, stopped eating chips, and she felt so much better. She had caught up to where others might have been ahead of her. She did it, when she was able to do it. What does the story teach all of us? Resources are a good thing. Making use of them are a good thing. Uh, but, but I think part of our gracelessness towards ourselves is, is we feel stuck at various points in life. We, we, we can't move forward. Um, this holiday weekend, uh, give yourself grace. And and every once in a while, the time is right to go out and buy three spiral notebooks uh, because you'll be ready to move forward on whatever it is and you'll feel better when you do it and you will be empowered by it and you will be a gracious gift to the people around you. My strength is sufficient for your weakness, Jesus says to you and to me and to all through the Apostle Paul who lived it and understood what he was saying and it's one of the last things he says to those Corinthians because he he knows how important it is and the hardest thing for I think any of us is to trust it but to grow into the person you can be to get closer to the end to that journey of self-identity just trust that that people of God is always an act of faith.